Welcome to the Moving Nuts Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Scheib. I am the administrator of the closed group on Facebook, The Movie Nuts. So if you're listening and you'd like to join, let us know and we will include you. Tonight we have a little bit of a panel discussion just for fun. I have Christy, Tony, Jason, and Sarah around me, some of which are Movie Nuts, some of which don't do Facebook, <coughs> Tony. And so we are going to talk about a really simple topic that we've thrown out before on the Movie Nuts, and we're going to get some opinions, and hopefully you will weigh in. So I'm just going to throw it right out now and say, Christy! Yes! Funniest movie! Holy Grail! Monty Python. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, one vote for that. Tony! Although that gets second place, I still got to go with Animal House. All right, Tony goes Animal House. Jason! Okay, um, Jason's Boys, a millennial. <clears throat> anyway. Boy Scouts Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. I quite enjoyed that. Excellent. Sarah? I have to second Holy Grail. Holy Grail is, is very solid. I'm, I'm a Grail. big, big Animal House guy, although I've always loved Raising Arizona from the Coen Brothers. So, uh, moving around the room on that, give me the funniest scene in Holy Grail. Funniest scene in Holy Grail? There are just so many. I'm going with the holy hand grenade. Oh, uh, the holy hand grenade of Four Mania. Four is the number of the counting, the counting of the numbers. Well, and there is some lovely filth down here, Dennis, <laughs> which is always enjoyable. Yeah. Well, for a generation of people that haven't actually seen the Monty Python movie, it's from the mid-70s, and it's a joke on the, well, not a joke, many jokes on the Arthurian legend, and it's played completely classic British farce. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you have a sense of humor... Rent it, watch it, on demand it. But uh, it's completely irreverent and totally ridiculous and features a character called Sir Robin. Never mind. <laughs> Tony, funniest scene in Animal House, if you can name only one. Only one? Maybe the cafeteria scene. The whole stretch down. The whole, the whole, I don't know much about history where he eats all the stuff, followed by food fight. The John Belushi going through the line. And then the, oh, the, the I'm Zit, get yeah. it. I really like the, you know, with the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yes, the, the, the whole rundown from from the uh, uh, John Belushi's rant about that. Hey, don't, don't bother. He's rolling. Yeah. He's yeah, rolling. Animal House has so many scenes that are classic from the standpoint of just pure humor. Working from... Uh, like to dance with your dates. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to pick one right out <laughs> right out of of Animal House just because. Ooh, here's a good animal uh, Animal House fun fact. Uh huh. So the college that they taped it at, they were shopping out at colleges to try to find somebody who would let them do it, and colleges were turning them down right and left after reading the script. And the gentleman who was the dean or president of the college read the script and let him tape there anyway and when asked about it said what do i know he had previously been uh worked at harvard i believe and they had asked for permission to tape uh the dustin hoffman mrs robinson um, oh the graduate the graduate and he said no way and the movie became a big hit and he said you know what i've learned i don't know crap about movies so when they asked him to do animal house he said Yes. That was, I believe, the University of Oregon. Yes, it was actually, the University of Oregon. Filmed. Although, the movie takes place, I think it implies, in in uh, uh, somewhere in the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. They because imply it talks it because, about that. Yeah. And, of course, uh, being from where we are from, we all recall that Fawn Leibowitz was from... 
Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's right. The girl that uh, died. The died in the kiln explosion. explosion because she was making otter a pot. Anyway, yes, uh, another one of those movies from the 80s that people of our generation had people in line pretend to be their guardians so they could sneak into because it was R-rated. I think probably from a subtlety standpoint, it's hard to get past the scene where... Uh, where John Belushi is on the ladder looking in the oh. sorority house and the girls all move around the corner and he takes the ladder and jumps mm-hmm. with the ladder around it and then of course he eventually lands at the room of dear Mandy Pepperidge when she begins to well and then he just falls I just thought, Eric Stratton damn glad to meet you yeah, Eric Stratton, <laughs> Rush Chairman Damn glad to meet Damn you. Damn glad to meet you. All right, Jason, I think you have the most esoteric choice, which I don't know. Has anyone else seen the movie Jason's referring to? No. Yes. Okay. Jason, what's the funniest scene in that movie? So, in my mind, the funniest scene would be the Scoutmaster, after having been turned into a zombie, caught in fire, hit by a car, and was limping towards the group of survivors, was to have a hand grenade from the U.S. Army... Roll right next to right next to his feet. Looks down and just goes like, "Are you effing kidding me?" <laughs> and then just explodes all over the place. And I really enjoyed that scene in the movie. Now, did you see this in the theater? I did. Yes. I did. Because okay, it made it to the theater, really? Yeah. Yes, it did. Like it a was... real theater, not well, Bob's absolutely yeah. theater. Yeah. So was... the so the question is, when when was this movie made? Uh, God, last we're, year, we're such or old people. Twenty fifteen. Was when it was made. 2015. And it is called again? Uh, Scout's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. Does it have anyone in it that any of us would ever recognize? Oh, oh there it is. Scout Master. Scoutmaster, maybe. Uh, Thank God that for smartphones. As yes, it well, is I see, I see Cloris Leachman, who is, of course, Frau Blucher in Young Frankenstein. Absolutely. Which has not been mentioned, but is one of the funniest movies ever made either. Okay. All right, moving right along. You are a seconder of Holy Grail, so so your favorite funniest scene in Holy Grail. In proper chick fashion, I have to love the little white rabbit that kills so so many in such a oh, wonderful that rabbit's way. Rabbit's dynamite. Uh, <laughs> it had just a petite, it just a big pointy teeth, and yes. Well, yeah, to enjoy, to enjoy, of course, the Holy Grail, you have to just sort of turn off your sense of anything that's not totally irreverent and enjoy all of that. I, I have to say, <clears throat> one of the other scenes in it that I, I love most of all, because, uh, and some of these people share the sort of irreverence towards it, is the whole scene where the first time they're on the quest and the cartoon clouds open up and God comes down yes. and tells them about their quest and they start to grovel and he yells at them for groveling. Yes. It talks about those miserable psalms because they're so depressing. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a wonderful moment. But, uh, it was done yeah. by the American. See, in the, uh, oh, the you know what the funniest scene is? <clears throat> well, it's the she's a witch scene. Oh, she's no, a witch! Because she's, a witch. she's made of wood and therefore <laughs> a witch. And a stuck right on uh, there. Okay, we did that. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, yeah, with the, the crowd. Well, it's always funny when you watch a Monty Python movie, of course, to realize that they're not only the main actors in a scene, but they're always the background people, too, because, of, of course, the magic of how films oh, are made. Yes. Eric Idle can be the person... Judging her and be a person in the crowd, or John Cleese or whomever it is. So, 
She turned me into a newt. Well, I got better. Yeah. <laughs> but a, a wonderfully funny movie. Do you think that's the funniest of the Monty Pythons? I quite enjoyed the Spanish Inquisition myself. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, that's well, not a full-length movie. You know, what else but, is yeah. there? There's that. There's well, there's Life of Brian. Brian. There's Life of Brian. Which, and the meaning of life. And honestly, and the life of Brian, one of the best scenes ever has to be when they're actually painting graffiti on the side yes. of the Colosseum. Oh, yes. And they yeah. don't... They don't conjugate the verb correctly in Latin, and the Roman gladiators make them paint it a thousand times, and it's not until they're about done that they come back and kind of realize their stupidity. Yeah, hundred times or I'll cut your balls. Not to be confused with, of course, the whole Judean people's front, the popular people's front of Judea. It's your enemies, the people's front of Judea. No, the Romans. The Romans. Yeah, Life of Brian sort of has its own life because... Either um, it's tremendously funny or it's horribly offensive, depending on what side of the fence you fall on. The the bright, plus, it ends with a bunch of people life. singing that did while they crucified, did which did very not Spartacus. So I put that in a second. Then there's the meaning of life. And then live at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, where they reenact a lot of the sketches from the, from the honestly, show. Honestly, if you're going to get that deep into it, you might as well shift over either to the show or to Faulty Towers. Yeah, no, I, I think live at the Hollywood Bowl is essentially simply a a a, uh, a live action version of because the parrot sketch and a few of the others. Yes. Are but the, the movies essentially are those three, including the meaning of life, which. I don't know. I, there are parts of the meaning of life that I think are wonderful, and there are other parts of I, the Mister Curiosote scene just doesn't <laughs> do it for me at all. I mean, yes, it's horribly gross, and I do think it's very funny that with the fishes with the money python people's faces at the beginning, but the Mister Curiosote scene doesn't really do it for me. Uh, the one that does, though, is when the Reaper comes to visit the people at dinner. Yes, and they're very British about it, where he announces that the reason they've all died was eating the salmon moose. <laughs> he points to it, and they all say, oh, and, and the, the lady says, I'm so terribly embarrassed. I guess you, you've killed them all. And you, <laughs> but you're so very British that you're terribly embarrassed. Because Seriously. Well, but, but, okay, so the Holy Grail for me is awesome because that British sense of humor that they take the gags and they're right out there in the open. So, you know, as they're... I mean, basically, let's people are pretending to ride horses. They have no damn horses. Which, and, of course, is a is a movie uh, foley artist yeah. joke because when they are when they retrack it because the footsteps of horses are so uneven when they retrack it on the sound. They did things like coconuts, and the Foley artists do all sorts of wacky things yeah, to replicate what sounds on there. but they actually have a guy in their entourage on screen clumping the coconut. Hitting, hitting the coconut. <laughs> when they stop. I mean, right. it's ridiculous and on scene right there for you. They don't, they're not trying to hide it in the background. It's there, it, obvious for you to see. It's so in your face. It's... Well, and as Michael Palin once said, horses were expensive, coconuts are cheap. They even have entire conversations on coconuts, the, with the swallows. Oh, yes, How the, the, the unladen, the laden yes, swallow. Swallows. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think my Python and the Holy Grail beats Life of Brian. It beats the Life of Brian and beats Meaning of Life. Come on, when they tell them they're looking for the Grail, it's like, we already have one. Now, he says that we already have I told him we already have one. And, yeah, no, it's, it's a great <laughs> movie. It's a it's a great movie, but I I don't know. It's it's tough to argue. It's tough to argue Animal House, but we've not mentioned several 
that are go- going to make potentially the podium in a lot of people's minds. Uh, with the passing of Gene Wilder recently, Young oh, Frankenstein, yeah. Blazing Ooh. Saddles. Absolutely. Are, oh, very are good. two of the funniest. Now, I know you're a Silver Streak fan. I am a Silver Streak fan. Never seen it. No, oh, my God. You're yeah, dead to you, me. You guys seen that. Yeah, it, it's. Have you seen Stir Crazy? Parts of. Stir Crazy is really, really, really funny. Oh, Stir Crazy. Here you go. I'll Stir put one out for you. National Lampoon's Vacation. You I'm know. sorry. I'm crazy. <clears throat> I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. There are so many things in it that, aside from the obvious humor, are just funny. Just even watching people's reactions. It's the okay. one-off lines. Let's, let's, you know. jump, let's jump generations. Because we have three of us that are like 70s, 80s kids. Yeah. All right. Outside of the one you mentioned, and you went all the way back, Sarah, to My Python and the Holy Grail. Of the ones you've been exposed to, is there a, an older movie that jumps out at you that's funny? Besides, you mentioned Holy Grail. Besides those, An Animal House, A Stir Crazy, Raising Arizona, any of those? Raising Arizona wasn't bad. I still like Blazing Saddles as one of my favorites. Oh, Blazing Saddles is another. It's some, an assumed some as call one me of Jim. the favorites. Call me Jim, yeah. It, that, that, that is it's such a... It's It's true. The way you people are gifted. Yeah, the, the Mel Brooks Gene Wilder combination. I've always had the softer spot in my heart for Young Frankenstein because of the the horror connection and and the fact that overall all the homages to the old Universal horror movies are great. But Blazing Saddles oh, is just more crude, crass, funny, ridiculous. Um, and you know, there's an interesting fact about that. Because if you look in the credits, it was written by Mel Brooks, I believe Andrew Bergman, and you know who the third writer was? Richard Pryor. I do know some Richard Pryor. Which is where all the racial, you know, the racist skewering came from. But he was too controversial at the time it was made. They would not allow him to play Bart, the sheriff, because too controversial. Hey, but we're going to do a Pryor tie-in. Pryor was used to pre-screen Animal House. Because there was some sentiment at the, at the amongst the uh, uh, production company that with the we want to dance with your dates and all that roadhouse scene right. that it was too racially charged considering the time and so they pre-screened it to Richard Pryor to right. get his opinion and after he finished laughing he told him it was hilarious and that white people were crazy <laughs> and they decided to go ahead and, go and not and cut it. the scene yeah but Pryor, Pryor partly wrote. Uh, uh, Blazing Saddles, and that's where the whole black, white, and the language comes in. But he was too controversial to play the role. Uh, they would so not he produce the movie. Wrote it planning to be the Cleveland Little character. Oh no, he wanted to be Bart, but they would not greenlight it with him as Bart. So they hired the much more mild Cleveland Little. No, I, that's probably true, which is so true of so many movies where serendipity runs into the casting or the grouping or whoever and then it turns out to be oh i mean there there are any number of movies where the original intended cast versus the actual cast were not anywhere close to the same but then the actual cast i mean you, you have to go back to casablanca was supposed to be what Anne sheridan and ronald coleman or something not bogey and ingrid bergman and sterling hayden was supposed to be quentin jaws but Pryor added such an edge to the script that Cleavon Little's very clean, crisp play of Bart really made it more emphasized. I mean, think about the scene where where the 
the, the cowboys come to them and confront them at the uh, the building of the railroad, and the one oh, says to them, sing a song. Sing a song. Cleveland Will's diction is so great to say, the Camp Town Ladies. Uh, Pryor probably doesn't pull that yeah, off nearly as well alcohol. as Cleavon Little's ability to say really that know. right. And in while Pryor is is hysterical, and he's again not, he's not the sheriff. But I don't know that he makes the sheriff of Rockridge and and the Gucci bags and the whole bit play. If you're gonna talk Mel Brooks, though, history of the world part one. You know, I've always thought of that as as kind of second tier. That hurts me bad. Because the, I, just I, love I, these I love the producers. I love Blazing Saddles. Oh man, and I, that hurts and I bad. I love Young Frankenstein. But the we've never seen Young yeah, Frankenstein. I have. Uh, well, I haven't seen it. You've not. It, when have I, you seen it? I saw it over at one of my friends' house probably eight years ago. It's a great movie. It's been it's, it's so funny. History of the World it's Part here. Part One just doesn't 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 rock my world. But silent movie. Silent movie, you know, yeah. Second two. Spaceballs. Uh-huh. Spaceballs good, but not up there. But funny, but doesn't make not. it. I mean, well, Gene Wilder and, and Brooks had one of those, one of those connections. I mean, in, in truth, Young Frankenstein was Gene Wilder's brainchild. And airplane. Oh, oh yeah, that's the airplane. Yeah. The white zone is it's for loading, loading and, unloading. and unloading. Don't give me any of your white zone <laughs> shit. Yeah, but that's you know that's the beauty of this of this debate is that at any given point you can encounter a movie that just absolutely, yeah, absolutely grabs people and is funny. Son, you ever been in a Turkish prison? Yep. Do you like to watch movies about gladiators? <laughs> See, but you know, and, and that that's a great example, though, of taking a genre and turning it back in its head. Because the disaster movie genre always fills its movie with stars and kind of stars. So then they, when they make a parody of it, they grab a bunch of stars and kind of stars. So the pilot is Peter Graves and randomly Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was originally supposed to be Pete Rose, by the way. No, but, but Kareem it. nails it. Kareem is hilarious. Uh, the, My the dad whole, says whole, you're lazy. The whole bit with the, 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 little, the little kid is, is great. You're my favorite, but my dad says you don't run back anymore. The hell I don't. Yeah. yeah. You tell your dad, try to go down try, the floor yeah, Kurt Ram or something. Yeah, try, try to, yeah. You're, tell, you, tell, yeah, tell your, tell your dad to run Walton Lanier up the, up the court for 48 minutes. Yeah, Pete Rose was originally the person that the Zuckers and, no and Abrams way. had in mind for it. But Kareem is, of course, terrific. And then they get the whole Roger, Roger, over, over, what's our vector, Victor routine. But then they get Leslie um, Nielsen. Pardon me, stewardess. I speak jive. That's right. Who was who? Uh, it was Beaver's uh, mother. Beaver's mom. The, yeah, yeah. Be- Beaver's, Beaver's mom. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great movie. Because it came out after two or three of the airport movies. So it could make fun of all of them. And of course, it makes fun they of Jaws. It makes fun of all of us. We're gonna See, watch. We're gonna have a day in which we watch airport movies and then airplane. Air, air, We've seen airplane. Air, but you airplane, need the airport movies to go with it. Nah, it really uh, cheesy, under underwhelming. Whoa! Movies. No, Poseidon you Adventure, take that shit back. Uh, Poseidon Adventure is great. The Hindenburg. Airport. The Swarm Earthquake. Oh, that's good another podcast, movies. sir. I've seen lots of. 
Yeah, Disaster Movies is a different podcast. But at any rate, Airplane definitely has to land in there somewhere in the funniest movies ever. Here we go. Just because it's Uh, so... Ghostbusters? Well, you know, we had this discussion on, on the website, on Facebook, after Gene Wilder passed, which was Gene Wilder, in my opinion, and I know you throw a silver streak into this, Christy. I got I got a, a quartet for you. Gene Wilder is in The Producers, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, and I Say Stir Crazy, You I Say, say silver, silver Streak. Can you come up with another person... Whose career? Now, if you go back to the, the hang on, the, the Marx Brothers and, you know, Animal Crackers, Night at the Opera, etc. It's tough to come up with a modern actor who is in four comparably funny movies. And it was brought up on, on the website, on, on the Facebook group. Bill Murray's probably the, the only one that hits close. You can do Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, and then uh, Stripes. That can match Gene, That's four solid Gene Wilder's movies. four of the producers, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, and Stir Crazy or Silver Street. But other than that, for a modern, oh, a on. modern Chevy comedic Chase. actor, okay, hit, hit me with your four. Chevy Chase. Well, a you get him in. Uh, you you get him He's in, in Caddyshack. Caddyshack. All right. So right there. Now you've got to throw on there Fletch. Fletch is freaking hilarious. Fletch doesn't do that much. I don't, I don't even understand you. Fletch. I know. Then you throw on National Lampoon's Vacation. All right, I'll do or that Or Christmas one. Vacation, either one. And then, frankly, it's up at... You could put Spies Like Us. You could Ugh. do Foul Play. Oh. You could... These are all really freaking good movies. No, no he, he gets... It seems like old times. Oh, Come on. He gets you, he gets you two. Oh, Chubby no gets way. gets you two, maybe no three. Way. Can, okay, how many of those movies are funnier than Silver Streak? Uh well, Silver Streak is uncommonly funny. Yeah, okay. No, I would I would argue that National Lampoon's Vacation is funnier than Silver Streak. Ooh, I think I think maybe that's a push. I would I would I would say Spies Like Us is damn close. You're killing me. Damn close. You're killing me, Smalls. There's some funny shit in Spies Like Us. Spies Like Us. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. That move. That movie isn't within a parsec. Of National Lampoon's Vacation well, or Caddyshack. They're both great. And Fletch, I said, I don't know why you hate on Fletch. Fletch is just, well, my parents are big funny. fans of the former president. <laughs> the best thing that Fletch does is it tries to steal the music from Beverly Hills Cop. I don't even begin to, I don't know you anymore. Okay, Fletch. well, that's good. Come All right. On. Eddie Murphy, what has he done? Beverly Hills Cop, Trading Places. He, he, he can't put four together. He can't put four. Not funny. 48 hours is a really tough call because what is 48 hours? I have a hard time putting I think 48 hours is a crime movie yes. with humor. <clears throat> Trading Places is a, is a comedy, and it's pretty good. I mean, he did a lot of kids' movies. And then Daddy Daycare. Again, Bever- okay. again, Beverly Hills Cop is a crime movie with with humor, although it does have... One of my all-time favorite movie lines ever, which, of course, is when Eddie Murphy is confronted at the police station by Ronnie Cox, the detective, and he says to Eddie Murphy, we're a lot more likely to believe a respected art dealer like Victor Maitland than a foul-mouthed jerk from out of town. And Eddie Murphy says, foul-mouthed? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. That's beautiful. But 
Uh, no, Eddie Murphy can't put four together. Seriously. But now my favorite movie line comes out of a comedy. My favorite movie line is 60% of the time works It works all the time. time. That, that's Anchorman. I mean, Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon, none of those guys can come anywhere close to the four. I mean, again, I'll even give you the secondary, right? But you, you put Gene Wilder's... The producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, and either Stir Crazy or Silver Streak, or even See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Play. Oh, Goldie Hawn. It's a stiff movie. I think. I love that movie. I mean, it's not. It's got a midget, an albino, and a man with a scar. What is not to love? I don't think I have an answer for that. <laughs> I don't completely think you're talking about sort of uh, different categories of movie that are also were funny. I threw in Toy Story. Ooh. Toy Story is a very well put together, entertaining movie. Absolutely, you and, and your again, are laughing at the same time. Yeah, but for completely a completely different reason. reason. No, and you know the latter day Disney's are really good for that. I mean, Aladdin, Aladdin was the one that sort of broke the mold of that, where the kids just enjoyed the genie because he was talking fast and being silly, and the adults went, "Oh, I know what that means." <laughs> and, and but that's and but that's 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 right great center. because that's what makes a you know mm-hmm. one of the worst things about kids movies is for, to be the poor adult that has to take them to it. But, but they're able to get some enjoyment right. out of it. But Toy Story has that element of it. Uh, Aladdin certainly, and and things like that that combine the two are, are that. But since well, we're all adults here, we can go totally ribald and and jump over that. But I, I agree with you. Well, let me throw out a question here. What Can we name a movie that when it first came out, we thought what was incredibly, incredibly funny, who humor over the decades has been lost? Sometimes humor stands up over time, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, is there a really movie out there that we would call super-duper funny when it came out that due to... The modern age, we would say, no longer has quite the shine on the penny, humor-wise. Uh, well, there's boy. also the losing it as you get older, as the jokes just aren't as funny anymore. That's that's different. That, yeah, that's different because the, the topicality, but I, t- I tell you what, and, and you have to watch it, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah humor-wise. Yeah, there, there, there are... Yeah, there, there are definitely movies that... That the humor becomes flatter. I would argue over the time. reason there's a reason why we're not naming movies from earlier decades because some of us have seen lots of those movies over and over and over again because of our parents or well, reruns. I, I, I think but, if, if you want to look at a dichotomous way of thinking, comedies, quote unquote, from the fifties and sixties had a really tough time surviving the 70s. Yeah. The, the 70s became so cynical and biting and whatever. And my mother always loved, and people always loved, the Doris Day, the Rock Hudsons, the Don't Eat the Daisies, and the Glass Bottom Boats. But they seem very dated and very Pollyanna-ish. But a lot of them still function. I mean, if, if you love black comedy and you really get the essence of black comedy or you're a Monty Python fan... If you don't think Doctor Strangelove is one of the funniest movies ever made in that vein, yeah. But you got to get it. You got to get the whole Cold War protocol. You got to get the fact that George C. Scott, who would later play Patton, plays Colonel Buck Turgidson and all yeah. the other Cold War stuff. But but yeah, the the comedies of the fifties and sixties have a certain benignery that don't live very well through the seventies. Whereas 
once the 70s came about and you got movies that were funny and pushed the edge of the envelope kind of and, and put that out, comedy yeah, the movies got, took that and went forward. And, and Doris Day was wonderful and fun, and those movies are very funny. recent. But they're very, very light. It was, nice a, it was like it was like going from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. You have the stuff that worked then, like feudalism, and you go to stuff like the re- so, sorry. No, 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 I'm no, no, Your point, your point is correct, going. though. Is that the fifties and sixties operated on this level of sort of we don't want to hear what bad stuff is going like, on, and like then a the wife 60s and a husband in separate beds, beds kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah the, back a little the, the yeah. Mary Tyler Moore two beds kind of thing, and then the seventies and the sexual revolution and movies like I was digging here, like yeah. Carnal Knowledge, uh, other movies, The Graduate. Those were racy movies. MASH was a racy movie. Yeah, not was, a very and, good movie either, by the way. Oh, you don't like the original MASH? It's all right. Uh, I'd watch it anytime over the preachy show. But anyway, anyway, the 60s and Says 70s, though, hates went through those, those periods where the kind of innocence was lost. And I don't know that there's been a great innocent comedy... Since, then. Since they, that time period. They were a sort of period pieces because they kind of had to be. Right. Well, I mean, a, yes, com- a comedy yeah. that based itself on them was Pleasantville. It yeah. was a 50s series movie trying to pretend to be that. But I've got one we haven't talked about that mixes several of the genres we've discussed. So, all right, I'll go around the room and tell me what you think of one of my favorite movies that I love to show people because I think it is so constantly hilarious and it survives today. Christy, A Fish Called Wanda. One of my favorite movies of all time. I'm a, I'm a big believer in A Fish Called Wanda. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. I mean, well, A, aside from the really hearkening to the Monty Python type of humor in there, I mean, there's just, honest to God, that woman and her old dogs. I almost pee myself every time another one it, dies. It is such a guilty pleasure movie. Oh, my God. Well, and what's an interesting combination... I, wa- I want that Wanda. I want that. I want Wanda. Why? Is, is Cleese wrote it. John Cleese, the Great Monty Python. Movie. But then the studio, and he decided that to try to not make it a Monty Python movie. And honestly, Kevin Klein is brilliant is br- in the Otto. movie. Is Otto yes. the guy who's just stupid. They, they, and, hi- they hired like a long-standing British director by the name of Charles Crichton to direct it. Charles Crichton's credits of directing movies go back to the 30s and 40s. He's been around forever. And the studio took the humor out, took the humor and said, okay... We need somebody with a little bit of practicality like Charles Crichton to make it happen. And, yes, it, it's it's one of the most constantly hilarious movies ever. But, again, features Cleese, Michael Palin. Kevin uh, Jamie Klein Lee Curtis. is hilarious. Jamie Lee Curtis is great. That That's another movie that if you haven't seen it and you have an open mind for humor, you got to see it. Now, have you guys the, seen that, you young I've people? I've seen it. It's been a long time. Oh, what a great movie. She's the... Foundation. She doesn't get to be great. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Well, she's the MacGuffin. Jamie Lee Curtis moves the movie along because she's sleeping with everybody. but 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 to Tony's point, though, I mean, every other character is extremely hilarious. 
the Kevin Klein auto character, oh, the, yeah. um, the sidekick character with the speech impediment. Yeah, can come to kill me, Michael Palin. And Michael Palin. I mean, even um, even John Cleese's wife, Wendy, and Wendy, and her their daughter Portia. Portia. No, she, for God's she, sakes, Portia. She was named I after mean, a car. They're they're so. Funny, and Jamie Lee Curtis actually is consistently the one person who is trying to be funny and really isn't. Although, though, she has among the funniest lines sequence ever when she finally confronts Kevin Klein about what an idiot yes. he is. When yes. she says to him, The central message of Buddhism is not every man for himself. <laughs> <laughs> And the London Underground is not a political <laughs> movement. I looked it up, and uh, I mean, she has that. That's a but that's, that is that's a great, great writing, scene. but that's not great. But no, her, no, she right. herself. No, no, she's she's actually is the MacGuffin. She well, is the, the object. MacGuffin. Yeah, she's the object that moves the story along. She is the mystery and the idol from North. I always thought she was miscast. Honestly, every every all really? casting there was good, and that they really missed the mark on her. Well, I think she needed to be sexy enough, but if she'd been... It's it's sort of like um, Truman Capote always theorized that the ideal Holly Golightly at Breakfast at Tiffany's was Marilyn Monroe. No way. The only way that movie is saved is that Holly Golightly has to be someone like Audrey Hepburn. Similarly, in, in A Fish Called Wanda, she needs to be sexy on her own terms she can't just be wow because no, she got to be I seductive mean, without I being that, but i just thought uh, something attractive. about she doesn't i don't know she does not doing it for me i think she serves a very useful role in the movie um and i'm left wondering who could have been a replacement for her, but i guess she didn't flash she didn't pop she performed a very useful function yeah, she she is as as Hitchcock says. She's the MacGuffin. She moves the movie along. Every time she comes into a scene, she makes the movie go forward in some regard. A- agreeably, not in an exceptional way, but you can make the argument that that was her purpose. Is that she is the sort of straight line that all these other lines work from? Because everyone in the movie effectively either does sleep with her. Or wants to sleep with her, and and that sets up the conflict between all of them, mm-hmm. and ultimately she ends up with John Cleese, who is the right guy because she sort of finds herself in it. But another another movie where again, if you've not seen a Fish Called Wanda, take ninety minutes and, and just Street. enjoy it, and Silver Street because it has one of the funniest running jokes ever, which is made completely by one of the great talents that that the late Gene Wilder had was to play regular scenes with this balance of normalcy followed by tremendous hysteria. Young Frankenstein shows it great. Blazing Saddles doesn't show it that often. Silver Streak shows it constantly because he's thrown off the train so many times that that he gets to totally... Flip out, and of course he's watch the movie. Wide, you know, sort of wide-eyed, crazy man. He has that great voice for it, but his the way he plays characters allows him to be even until he goes off the deep end, and then back to even again, and it makes the movie work. So, 
Are there any other, any other just off the top? We mentioned Raising Arizona, and I love the Coen Brothers. And Raising Arizona is one of those movies that I just I, every time it I comes back, time. I have to watch that movie. Have we? Has anybody seen the new one, Hail Caesar? I have not. Mm-mm. I it's, have not. It I got panned. It, it yeah. came out to great promise and hope. A lot of people were, "Hey, it's Coen Brothers. It's got Making a super all-star mediocre cast. reviews." Yeah, and then I, it. Quietly went away. Now, let, let me ask: How many people here like "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou"? I, I, I think that movie is hilarious. It's not. It's not in a top ten type of a position, but, but it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable, and the whole Homer reference, and the fact that the George Clooney character is such an intellectual dope that it's that it's perfect. And and that's what's funny about it. So it's it's a great it's a great movie from the standpoint that it's cleverly written. It incorporates the Odyssey, and everything else about it is sort of this goofy thing. The one scene in Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Actually, I'm going to have to cheat. The two that make me laugh every time is when he confronts his three little girls after they think he got hit by the train, and they have this great David Mamet esque patter back and forth where. He says to them, I'm your father. And the one says, not since you got hit by that train. Yeah, mama's got a new boyfriend. He's a suitor. And they go back and forth around to him. And he's constantly talking to all three of them in this very mammoth-esque pace. And then he goes and confronts the mother in the Woolworth. And he gets in a fight with her new suitor. And when he does, they get into this fist fight. And, and the the new suitor puts his fists out crossways in front of him to fight. And George Clooney's fight posture is to have his fists open on either side of him. What? And, of course, the guy just keeps punching him in the face because he's not <laughs> defending it. But he doesn't change his fighting stance until the guy hits him four or five times in the face. And it's just... I'm out. I Okay. Um, no, well, and again, the Coen brothers are, are a bit of an acquired taste, but, but anyway. All right, so we've thrown a lot of movies out there, so... One more we have to throw in. And we do. Peter Sellers. Oh, the pink... The, oh, the yes! Inspector Clouseau. All right, oh. but there's... That is wonderful. There oh, are, I love the Pink Panther movies. There are four-ish, five-ish. What is the... If, if someone says to me tonight, I'm getting on Netflix... I'm gonna I'm gonna rent or buy one. I don't know which one to tell you. And them. we're hearing in the background the official faithful hound of the movie nuts. That would be Cheeto, my movie Chihuahua. Who's guarding a bone? Well, you know, these are the things that happen when you don't have full production availability. But anyway, all right. Of of the primaries, because there is there is the Pink Panther, a shot in the dark, the Pink Panther returns. The Pink Panther strikes again, and gulp. Revenge of the Pink Panther. Those are those are the five in the queue. Which one does somebody watch if they're listening to this now? I think you see the original. The Pink Panther. I think you have to see the Pink the, Panther. He's really not the main character in that one. He is not. Clouseau is not. David Niven is as yes. as the thief, uh, whose name I'm going to forget. Uh, the, just for straight up funniest though the. Returns of Strikes Again. Oh. Strikes Strikes Again. Yes, I, I think. Now, have, are you guys? I've seen them. Okay. 
Um, the originals, not the new one. I, I've only seen yeah, maybe one or two of the originals. We shall not speak of the Steve Martin originals. <laughs> he tried hard. Oh. And he failed. Why? Honestly, those wow. scenes you of know, Cato always jumping on him. When those movies came out, I him. felt just like Nancy Kerrigan. Why? 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 Anyway, sorry, Jason. I've only ever seen two, and I could not name them out of the crowd. All right. I, I would have to say, I've seen them, but I can't put a specific name to well, one. It's tough for me to pick, because I think the most accessibly funny one is Strikes Again, with the castle and the thing where he tries to go over the moat and and the nitrous oxide, which is hysterical. I still stick to it because I like David Nevin in the original. Well, and and Return of the Pink Panther is also funny because Christopher Plummer picks up the David Niven role and they're trying to steal things and the Phantom leaves the glove. But an underrated one that if you have not watched is really funny is A Shot in the Dark. Because the run of the bit in the shot in the dark is that every time the lights go out in this proper estate, someone dies. Oh, I do remember. Right, and 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 Elkie Summer is the the housemaid, and every time she's alone with someone, the lights go out and the other person dies. But it has a running bit where every time Inspector Clouseau tries to undercover. He screws it up and ends up getting arrested. And it's oh, really, that was wonderful. It's really the first one where Herbert Lom, as as the Chief Inspector Dreyfus character, really gets to blossom because he gets the eye twitch and the whole thing because every time Clouseau tries to do something, he gets arrested. And it has, it has one of the great lines in all the movies. After Clouseau is arrested for the second or third time, He's called into Dreyfus' office, and Dreyfus says, How does an idiot get to be a policeman? And Clouseau says, Well, I suppose he just has to apply. And <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the greatest lines. <laughs> and it's just such a funny movie. But, of course, and then the other thing is, is every time they arrest Elkie Summer for a murder, Clouseau convinces him to let her go so he can trail her. Yes. And he gets arrested for selling balloons without a license. Oh, yeah. And, oh my God. But... It, it's it's a much more comedy of manners ish bit than the later ones, which hit the high slapstick. Yeah. But if you've not seen a shot in the dark, it it, it is it is really really funny. And for your unknown comedy pleasure, mm-hmm. uh, my guilty pleasure, I'm two thumbs up for Scavenger Hunt. If you've never seen it, I've not seen that. Anybody else? And it know? is a star-studded cast like no other. Oh, are we talking like a wayback?er Right? It's, it's uh, in the wayback. Who's in that? It's like the whack the. Uh, uh, okay. In the way back, uh, Scatman Crothers is in it. What's What's the other movie though? Uh, Oh, hell. Um, where they're all looking for lost treasure. Spencer Tracy is in it. Yeah, it, it's, but it's not that. You know what I'm, I'm talking about. It's a mad, 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 mad world yeah, or I'm whatever. talking about the 1979 that movie. Did not age well. in which, no, it, it didn't. You're in right. which a extremely wealthy and gamer uh, decided to leave his fortune to the people who won a scavenger hunt that he devised oh. as it goes in there. And it includes Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Cloris Leachman, 
Richard Mulligan, Cleavon Little, Scatman Crothers, uh, a whole well, Roddy when I, McDowell. What I think comedy Vincent Arnold Price. Vincent Price. Tony yeah. Randall. You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like Cannonball Run goes on a scavenger hunt. Seriously, it's freaking hilarious because it's items that you know me and um, you're going to have to break the law to get half of these things and they just it, it's it's good fun people it's good fun solid well this was fun because I didn't have to drone on through the entire thing we've thrown out a lot of movies and hopefully if you haven't seen these Go see you them. should rent them you should Netflix you should stream them because if you've not seen Silver Streak, Stir Crazy, A Fish Called Wanda, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Animal House, even Fletch. Blazing and some Saddles. of these other, Blazing Saddles and some of these other. Scavenger Hunt. If you like movies and you like movies that will make you laugh, these will make you laugh. So I thank you for listening. And again, uh, if you are interested in joining the Movie Nuts closed group on Facebook, please ask for an invite and we will likely invite you. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.